This is Louisiana Considered. I'm Carl Lingle. No more denying it. New Orleans isn't working. That's the title of a new letter to the editor in the Advocate Times Picayune by famed American political consultant and strategist James Carville. Raised in Carville, Louisiana, Mr. Carville strategized for multiple public office candidates in the United States and abroad, gaining national attention for his role as lead strategist in Bill Clinton's 1992 presidential campaign. But you might know him better by his multiple network news and podcast appearances or by his moniker, The Raging Cajun. Joining us now to talk politics, strategy, and what is and is not working in the Crescent City is James Carville. Let's start with the letter that you recently wrote to the uh, Advocate Times Picayune. No more denying it. New Orleans isn't working. Tell us what isn't working about New Orleans. Uh, let's try everything and maybe go from there. I mean, obviously, the, the headline story is is crime and, and OPD. We're, we're up a billion dollars in in drainage and street improvement money that we can't seem to spend. That, that every day, every day, often you, you hear people leaving City Hall. Uh, in, in the paper, the mayor and this people of the City Council haven't talked for two months. Uh, this is not. This is not a success story at all. And that's one of the points that you make in the piece is that we need to stop pointing fingers because that's a lot of what's going on is we're not getting anything done because there's a lot of blaming going well, on. It, 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 it's really... It, it, the one thing that I, I know about New Orleans is we are a, a, a very fragile place. And, you know, in 2000, on January 13th, 2020. I'll never forget that because that's the night that we won a national championship in the Superdome. <laughs> I could walk any way I wanted in New Orleans. Yeah. I didn't, didn't give it a second thought. That's not the world that we live in now. And, you know, just the other, we've always had a problem with, with our streets because of the way, you know, our foundation stuff. It, it has gotten substantially worse. Uh, the the idea that our elected officials are not speaking to each other is, I mean, it's absurd. Now, how do, how do, how do you get it, them to it, see eye to eye? In your experience, I mean, you've dealt with this a lot over the years. How, how do you get them to sit down long enough to talk to each other and it, see eye to eye? Well, what I suggested, and what I'm very happy to say is happening, I mean, is, is this thing is, is percolating, and it's percolating at the ground level. And that their organizations and groups being formed that are going to be going to have to be listened to. They're going to have to be paid attention to. And that's what I tried to promote. And I'm, I'm happy to report that that seems to be happening now. Non-politicians can get involved in this and help fix the problems in what you're talking about right now. And it's sort of a grassroots from the bottom up. Absolutely. And when the politicians see the public motivated in doing things it's it's hard to look the other way and i i don't want to give any politician in new orleans the option of looking the other way look at these people look at our problems see where we are i think that is absolutely critical you know i'm encouraged that's going to happen but really be honest we used to have a really aggressive 
prideful. Yeah, we got problems, but we're New Orleans. We're coming back. And there was a real kind of civic good feeling. And what worries me somewhat about the current what provoked a lot is it looked like people were just didn't have that same fire in the belly. And, and hopefully we can get that back because that's what we need. For New Orleans, and, and not just New Orleans, but the entire metropolitan area in the state to prosper. There's some idea that if you live in St. Tammany or Justin or, or, or St. Charles, you know, that, that you're disconnected from New Orleans. That's no such thing. That, that Your prosperity depends on New Orleans doing well. It's a major and, port on a know, major it's, river. It's a major port, yes. <laughs> yeah, major port. If nothing else. We don't do, we don't, that, well, a lot more than that. It's an entire culture. There's a story in the front page of, about this uh, cultural group that has a museum. And if we lose our culture, we, we lose everything. The one thing that that makes us different and attractive is, is the fact that we have a deep, deep culture that is in we're in danger of, of being Key West and sitting around the boy Pat O'Brien's, you know, singing some version of Margaritaville. <laughs> it's 50 years old. How do, how do we utilize this creativity? We know we can do this. This city, this region, the state are very strong on the idea of we have creative energy and talent here. How do you utilize that creativity? Well, you know, people, I, I, I was uh, talking to one of the civic leaders in New Orleans, and I said, you know, I'm going to be 78 in October. If you remember when you took high school chemistry, a catalyst provoked a reaction. A catalyst did not control the reaction. All right? And at, at my age and where I am, I, I view myself as a catalyst. I, I think it's my job and my mission to provoke a reaction. But I know this. If you look at the cultural strength that we have, you look at the, the universities. I mean, but to a loyal and Delgado and, and UNO and Suno, but I mean, Tulane's become a, a really world-class place. They're inexorably tied to the future of this city. Right. LSU has, I don't know how many employees, and you all have the, the whole health science center, which is an enormous footprint. I get my health care now. We've got talented pastors. I've seen dealt with these neighborhood groups. There's, there's real passion, and that passion has to be channeled to right the course of the city, because it, the course of the city right now is, is, frankly, bad. Let's switch to the national level now. Um, in your letter to the editor, you discussed what's not working in New Orleans. We've talked a little bit about that. Uh, let's pivot to what's not working in Washington, D.C. There's a lot of directions we go in here. Well, let's start with the big one, the obvious one from recent days. Roe v. Wade is overturned. Fifty years of precedent Abandoned. Where do we go from here on issues like that? Well, I mean, first of all, it's now being thrown back in the states. It's tumultuous. Uh, the gun stuff is tumultuous. I mean, these are, 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 are really, really tumultuous times. And to somebody like me, you know, you have a 50-year right that you just decide one day that it doesn't exist. Uh, you, you have a rule, and that basically says uh, we don't have enough guns in America. We need more. Uh, really? Then, if you read by my friend Bob Marshall, this environmental case you have, do you think we have enough 
sea level rise than you are? You think that it's hot enough here? You don't think that we're having real problems with, with the increase in the number, intensity, and rainfall of storms? You have to be really crazy to think that. Really crazy. And yet that seems to be the direction that they're going in. A minority. And, you know, a minority are, yeah. They're not going to like it. They're not going to like it. Yeah. And I, 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 don't, I, I don't blame them. Uh, people are, ash, uh, you know, are passionate about this. They're getting activated by it. And Let's go to the midterms. Um, it's expected that President Biden will lose the Senate, as often happens in midterms, although that's up in the air. There's some iffy questions there. Um, as Democratic strategist, do you think it'll, what do you think it'll take to encourage more Democratic voters in the midterms? What should the messaging be? That is, that is, a, that, that is a stunningly, that, that's the money question. If, if you are watching what has happened, you're watching the Supreme Court, you're watching what's happening in, in, to, to women, you're watching what's happening with guns, you're watching what's happening environmentally, you look at the, the utter contempt and misogyny that they treated this uh, Justice Jackson on, on confirmation, you know, if that doesn't motivate you, I'm not sure there's any kind of slogan that James Carville can come up with to motivate you. Yeah. I mean, you're watching, you're a young person, you got to live in this country. And, you know, I hear people say, well, the young people are, you know, they've turned off and, and everything else. Well, you're going to live with Amy Coney Barrett for the next 30 years. And at, at some point, you know, it was young people at, at, at Omaha Beach. It was young people at Stonewall. It was young people at Selma. It was young people at Seneca Falls. I'm sorry, you you, you, you got to get into this game now. But the idea that a soon-to-be 70-year-old can come up with a slogan that's going to motivate you. And by the way, if you're a young person in New Orleans, you know, you, you have a, a real stake in the future of the city. Get moving. Don't throw your hands in the air. Are the strategies one way or the other around the idea of ending the filibuster and adding SCOTUS judges, are, are they likely to play out, do you think, in this? Uh, and if so, at what cost? It's not. It's just, it's just all pie in the sky stuff. We have 50 senators. I, I, I've always fantasized about talking to the Democratic concept and explaining the number 50. All right? It, it, one more than 49 is one less than 51. We have a four-vote majority in the House, which, you know, most of the prognosticators say we're going to lose. Why are we having this conversation? It's, it, it, why don't we talk about travel to Pluto? <laughs> it, it's about as good a chance as that happening. Yep. It, it's just it, the, the conversation it, in my opinion is, I don't want to say it's idiotic because, it, you know, Roosevelt tried to expand the court. You, you know, we don't have win elections. James Clyburn Coase, voter intervention. You want politicians to do something that you're really not willing to work hard for and something that they don't have the votes or the power to do. And somehow or another, people marching up and down the street yelling slogans is doing nobody any good at all. You're just wasting your breath. You're wasting your time. You're wasting your time, like, attacking Justice Kavanaugh in a restaurant in Washington. 
You're wasting your time protesting in front of Alito's house. Get out of Washington. Go register voters in the Mississippi Delta. Go run phone banks in North Carolina. All right? These people, that, and I, I, I don't know what, what they are, but they have no idea of what the world is. Get out and, and participate. Don't protest. Go out and work. Donate. Contribute. You know, canvas. Get, you know, write some. I know a lot of people that write handwritten notes to swing voters or try to get people out. I, I don't know. But, but my advice is, is, you know, to be active in, in, in trying to persuade people to come out and vote and try to persuade people to vote for you because that's where we are as a country. And we don't have time to waste our breath and waste our time with marches that accomplish nothing. I'd like to end with a line from your letter in The Advocate. Just, New Orleans has given me much. What has New Orleans given you, knowing that there's a wealth well, of answers? And how do you hold out hope that the city's going to work? Most people, first say, have an incredibly lonely old age. I mean, what really motivates me is I, I, I knew people in Washington, and, you know, they, they're very wealthy, and they had a, you know, $2 million condo in northwest Washington, and they would just wait around for their kids to come visit them, all right? And they'd wait for somebody to call them and maybe go to town. I, I There's no way I go in New Orleans where I ever meet a stranger, all right? And that is, a, that is not a common experience for an elderly person. And that is specifically why, I, the reason I said that I moved back to Louisiana is I didn't want to grow old among strangers. And, and Louisiana traditionally has treated elderly people better than most anywhere in the country. And I, I, even if we're fortunate enough to be affluent, which most people are not, that does not guarantee that you're going to have people around you that care about you. 1992 was 30 years ago. I mean, it's only so long you, you, you live off of that. And what I love is, is, you know, people call me by my first name. Yeah. You know, if I go by and film it, I go to checkout counter at Rouse's. You know, I just, I never, I, and that's a great gift to have. And I feel like I, I really owe that to the city. And I, I, I've always enjoyed it. You know, even when I was a young person at LSU, obviously. <laughs> right? And, I, yeah, I, I, owe, I owe, you know, the people in New Orleans a lot. And they know what I say. The city is just in, it's not working. It's in trouble. Let's, you know, let's get over the Chamber of Commerce claptrap and, you know, let's roll up our sleeves and fix this dog on thing. So everything gets thrown at us. Environmental, lack of social cohesion, you know, you name it, Jones has dealt with it over, over its history. And I, I just want to do my part that we put these problems front and center and talk about them and come up with some real solutions. I think you're going to see some announcements that are going to be coming where these civic and neighborhood associations are, are, are coming together. And the politicians are not going to be able to to slough them off. They just, they're, not going to be, they're not going to be able to ignore them. Finally, I wanted to give you a chance, James, to talk a little bit about ADHD, a topic uh, that you favor these days. Well, I, I uh, actually, my wife, uh, pretty early in our message, in the 90s, 
you know, thought we had this. And she, we went to see a, 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 like a really good psychiatrist or whatever. And I had to take like an hour worth of tests or something. And yeah, I remember sitting there and he, he said, there's no doubt that you have real, real attention hyperactivity issues. And he said, there's a couple of tools that, that we can discuss that, that can help you deal with this. And, I, you know, at the time, I was, it was probably a late 40s, right? maybe 50. And I said, you know, I just like the way I am. And I, I, I don't want to change. I, I, I've been able to build my life around this. And uh, I, I had a, a child that had some of the, the same issues, you know, who struggled with jealousy. and she's made a piece and she's been a Southport Sacred Heart in New Orleans. And she's in graduate school at LSU right now uh, getting an MFA in creative writing. And I, I, I fall out of my chair here that that child ever got to be. All right? And I just think that there are a lot of people out there that have some of these learning issues that, and I think when people have them and they're able to work around them and deal with them, it, 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 it actually is almost a blessing. So I, I, I didn't want to get rid of it. I mean, I thought about it. I, I have a hard time playing golf or playing bridge because it just takes too much concentration. And, uh, but I, I, I didn't want to, I, I didn't want to change. I was just pretty satisfied with who I was. Well, this is, and I think other people feel it the same way. I have children the same way. Develop whatever strategy they have, but think about maybe that's just the way God made you. You can do a lot of good with it. This has been a wonderful conversation. Political strategist, consultant, and media personality James Carville. Mr. Carville, thank you so much. Well, th- thank you, and uh, I-, I love the. the the work y'all do, and like I say, there's a lot, a lot of creative and talented people in Louisiana, some of the folks I've ever dealt with, and, uh, you know, we, 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 we're in trouble here, and let, let, let's get under the hood and fix this thing. That's it. I roll up the sleeves. I loved that. That's a great visual. Roll up the sleeves and get to it. American political consultant and strategist James Carville. The Ragin' Cajun has strategized for multiple public office candidates in the United States and abroad. For more information about Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder, or ADHD, you can go to the website chadd.org. Some of the values that James Carville recalls about Louisiana were often celebrated by author Ronnie Virgitz. Virgitz, who died in 2019, was the host of WWNO's live program, Crescent City, in the early 2000s. We'll be bringing back occasional commentary. We'll be bringing back occasional commentary from Ronnie Virgitz in future programs because, well, as James Carville noted, there are just certain unique traditions here in southeast Louisiana, and Virgitz was preeminent in providing narrative to those traditions. Take, for example, a jazz funeral. Ronnie Virgitz first posted this piece on the passing of renowned musician Harold Dijon in the summer of 2002. July and in New Orleans, you should try not to die in July. 
Polo shirts were sweat stuck to every back and a few fronts, too. Inside the mausoleum, the Navy bugler blew taps, and the sound knifed its way outside where all the people with cameras were taking pictures of all the other people with cameras. They were playing taps for Harold Dejan, Duke Dejan of the Olympia Brass Band in St. Louis number three, and passing around Xerox copies of him, and under his picture in big letters it read, everything is lovely, which is what he liked to say and how he liked to live. Then he led the widow out, one man holding each of her arms and a third walking right behind, holding one of those frilly parasols over her head. And no sooner than her grief was passed than you heard the rattle of the snare drum introducing the booming introduction of the bass drum. And then the rumble of the deep voices, the tubas and trombones. And then everybody was in on it. And here it is. The sound so uniquely New Orleans, the yin and yang of life, the thing that pushes the cry of joy up past the lump of sorrow in your throat. And everything you need to know about your stay on this earth is right there in your throat and all put there by this little brass band. On the walk back out to Esplanade, the band played Didn't He Ramble, and most of those smart enough not to bring a camera were second lining along the whitewashed tombs, dancing in the city of the dead. And if you let yourself, you could see these people were being touched by something, something that helps clarify what matters. Out on the street, the cars piled up and waited as the band sauntered onto the avenue and swung into down by the riverside. People were dancing, and even those waiting in their cars were smiling. It was as good a morning as you could have on a day when you bury a nice guy. Harold Dejan would have said, everything is lovely. Political commentator Ronnie Virgits from a post in 2002 will be featuring more encore commentary from Ronnie Virgits as Louisiana Considered continues to discover and rediscover what makes Southeast Louisiana tick. And a tip of the hat to Fred Caston for Ronnie Virgits' material. That's our show today. Managing producer is Alana Schreiber. Our digital editor is Caitlin Dumholtz. Our engineers are Garrett Pittman, Aubrey Prozell, and Thomas Walsh. You can listen to Louisiana Considered Monday through Friday at 12 noon and 7.30 p.m. It's available on Spotify, Google Play, and wherever you get your podcasts.
Thank you.